Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast with Kevin and Chuck. Today we're going to talk about all things fishing. Now, fishing. who even knew fishing was a uh, a prepper skill? A survival skill indeed. A survival skill indeed. So, now, Kevin, you know about the history of fishing? I was actually, yeah, I was looking into it. Now, wasn't it... Jesus in some kind of oh, boat. Oh, it goes way Peter, back. It goes back before Peter. Yeah, they found a uh, uh, body of a guy in China they call Tinyon Man. Tinyon 40, Man. 40,000 years ago. All right. Homo sapien. Now, I know that a lot of you guys believe that the earth is only 6,000 years old and Jesus buried dinosaur bones to test your faith, <laughs> but <laughs> Tinyon Man is 40,000 years old. Okay. And uh, they said they can tell from his... Uh, his his body that he frequently ate freshwater fish a high high source of uh, his protein is freshwater All fish right. so mankind has basically been doing uh some, fishing some type of fishing yeah for forever i got to say when it comes to catching food fishing seems to be one of the easier yeah especially if you can set set things up and there are no that can rules. Catch the fish right, right. while you sleep. Right. Now, um, I wanted to talk first. We can about... also catch squirrels that way. I'm just saying. <laughs> some, but we'll get into that later. I wanted to talk about uh, hand gathering uh, fishing. Okay. Now, that's generally um, when you talk about hand gathering, you're generally talking about uh, oysters, scallops, clams, things like that. Mussels. Um, now, when I was a kid, Long Island, Long Island Sound, we used to walk around the beach and you'd stomp and you look for water to squirt up. Mm -hmm. And then we'd dig down and sure enough, there'd be mussels in Mm -hmm. there. And that was the trick. Is that what we're talking about here? 
Absolutely. Or catching our crawfish, Mm -hmm. crayfish Crayfish. for you uh, Yankees. Um, Now, another form of of hand gathering, though, that's in there is noodling. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. That's getting a little too familiar. Well, the southern guys, I think, probably have an understanding what that is. All right. But it's basically hand-catching catfish. Um, So catfish live in designated holes, you know? So all you got to do is once you can locate one of those holes, you just slide your hand in there and grab it by the gills. Just and, slide it and in. And hopefully nothing bad is in there. Hopefully it's just a catfish. <laughs> now, th- there's some form of this is legal in in pretty much just southern states. Okay. So Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Louisiana, Illinois, Kansas, Kentucky, uh, Maryland, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Wisconsin, New York and New Jersey, not well, on the list. Pretty much anything you want to do in New York, unless you're sending Cuomo a check, yeah, it's you're not allowed to do it. So when it comes to hand fishing, it's it's really an art. It's not something uh, that if you've never done before, or uh, sorry, noodling, when it comes to noodling. Now, if you've never done it before, then I would not, I would not recommend. Is a snapping turtle going to take a finger off when <laughs> I stick my hand in the hole? It's considered to be a dangerous practice, and you're supposed to do it with, with at least two people. Because maybe it's snapping like my fingers. take your finger off. That's what I think about is snapping turtles are scary. And if you're just poking around in any old place. No, I see people do it. And, you know, I see the girl out in the bikini and whatever, and she sticks her hand in there and comes out with a freaking 25-pound catfish on her arm. Uh-huh. And it's like, yeah. And I'm like, eh, I yeah. don't know. It's, it takes a little, it's a little ballsy. It's a little ballsy way to go about it. And if you don't know how to do it, then uh, that's not going to feed you during now, the apocalypse. I feel like I can one-up you. Now, you're, you're saying noodling uh-huh. is maybe how you would do it. Now... I would tell you there's a fishing technique called striking iron. What is that? I thought you might ask. It turns out that people will take a long metal pole Mm -hmm. and large slow-moving fish, catfish, koi fish, that kind of thing, just as the name suggests, you whack them with the giant pipe on the head. All right. And scoop them up. I'm it's just like, saying. It's like spear fishing if you're really bad at it. Yeah, but with blunt <laughs> objects. All right. I didn't know that was a thing until I started researching this. Okay. But I got you. What else you got? What's uh, your, your next method? Well, let's let's talk about uh, net fishing. Okay. There's a lot of different types of net fishing. A lot of it, uh, commercial use, um, uh Bottom trawling, that's basically a, uh, a boat would drag a net along the bottom. Uh, cast net, that would be um, a net that you would have that would have weights on it. You just throw it no, out No, I think over that's the what they were doing in the Bible movies. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a movie, Paul, coming out. I don't know if they're going to have it, but you oh, throw I... a net and they, mm-hmm. they stand on the boat. Cast out your nets. All right. Uh, drag net. You didn't like all the Bible references on scaring off. Well, let's see when the movie comes out. We'll talk about it. Droves here. (laughs) All right. Uh, Dragnet. That's uh, basically just dragging, dragging the net behind your boat. Um, Now, a fike net. That's not really. I wouldn't really consider it a net. uh, Consider it more of a trap. But it is. It is a net. 
It's basically a funnel-shaped net that's real long and runs uh, horizontally along the bottom of a stream. You might set it up, and then you can gather it up at the end of your end of the day, or in the morning if you set it up at night. Um, most of these nets are made out of gill net, which is designed to catch a, a fish by its gills. That way, it can't go, you know, can't push through and it can't back out. So it's basically it's it's trapped there. Um, now I want to talk real quick about, uh, scene nets. That's, uh, it's spelled S-E-I-N-E. Okay. Scene net, it's basically, uh, a horizontal net. You post up on either side of a stream, and just, it goes horizontally across. Now, a lot of people do this, uh, in tidal areas. You know, set it up so the top of the net is at the top of the high tide. Right. And so, with each tide that goes out, you can go out. And check Collector. your net, and you know, resecure it if it needs to be. And basically, that involves once you set it up, that involves very little maintenance and very little work. You know, you can basically set the net up and just go and inspect it every day. Uh, if you don't have ocean near you, you can illegally set this up in streams. Now we're talking about now ninety percent of what we're talking about. Well, at least the first half of this podcast. Mm-hmm is stuff that you're doing after the apocalypse when people right. are starving to death. Or or if you're These lost are life, and you're hoping life and somebody death catches you breaking situations the situations yeah. where, you know, we're not talking about normal. We would never suggest a Sunday afternoon that you go outside the rules, especially in the great state of New York. Mm-hmm. Um now, do you want to get into trapping or do you want to Oh no, I have I have one I want to dump on you. All right, let's hear it. Now, I was perusing the interwebs. Okay. Searching it out, and I came across fish poisoning. All right. Now I was like, hmm, this is peculiar. Now, they at first were vague, and they were like, yeah, some people drug the fish and then collect them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's odd. And it didn't suggest. It said, well, you know, people use different things to drug the fish in their area. Right. However. Now, any place in the United States, this is very illegal. I don't know. We'll find out. So, I mean, maybe other people live outside, you know, the. uh, A lot of people do live outside. The communist state of New York, I Uh mean. But anyway, so they said you might want to throw walnut shells in large quantities. Okay. We'll drug the fish. Hmm. And they will float to the top. You may also want to collect a bunch of seashells and burn them, and this will create lime. You crush up the seashells, you burn them up, and it creates lime, and you put the lime in the water. Really? That'll do it. Now, I thought these are obscure, fringe, crazy people. Uh huh. Then I opened up my SAS manual, mm-hmm. and it turns out in the SAS survival handbook, they have a section called Fish Narcotics. Mm. And I was like, well, maybe okay. I don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. But it says, in many parts of the world, fishermen use local plants to poison or stupefy fish. I didn't right. even know stupefy was a word. That's it's a in word. here. Yep. And not how I would have spelled it either. So I feel like I've really gone awry here. Um And it'll make the fish come to the surface where they're easy to collect. This works best in a deep pool where one end can be dammed to contain the fish. 
but the method is only effective in slack water, like a stagnant pond area. Right. And you're going to kill everything in it, and you got to open it back up to the fresh area to, you know, Mm. let the new fish come in to be able to try this move more than once. All right. Now, Sass Manual actually had a bunch of plants we can use to drug fish. All right. That are going to be okay for us. Um, There's something called the Daris plant found in Southeast Asia and Australia. Um, The Barringtonius trees found in the same area as the Daris. Um, Desert roses found in tropical and southern Africa and in parts of Arabia. I think you've now mentioned every place outside of Australia where nobody that listens to this podcast lives. You know, let me tell you about the soap plant, which can be found in Western North America. (laughs) All right, all right. Ace in the home, (laughs) fucker. (laughs) And then goat's rue, which is also grows on open ground in North America. So I'll let you guys look into that if that's something you're interested in. I just wanted you to know there's alternatives. Mm-hmm. I hate to give you a podcast episode and not give you some new knowledge, something you never heard of. Because if I just tell Fish you poisoning. freaking, you put the worm on the freaking hook and you throw it on the bobber, you put a little weight on there, you're going to be like, dude, I already knew that. Right. Right. There's no point in us telling you about how to use a fishing pole. I ain't going to tell you what you already know. if you're a grown woman or a grown man and you don't know how to use a fishing pole, you're listening to the wrong podcast. You need to to back up a little bit and start with some basic knowledge. Well, we'll get into that a little bit, though. Uh, We are going to get into some basic knowledge. Mm -hmm. But, um, all right, what else you got? Trapping, you said. Trapping, yeah. I was thinking about uh, fish trapping. And, um, you know, I've never actually trapped fish. I've never attempted it. I've seen fish traps. You know, I've had friends that have used them. Um, we used to use minnow traps when we were kids. Minnow and traps, the same sure. for crawfish. Yep. Um, but there's definitely some interesting ideas here. Uh, dam fishing, which okay. they do in uh, South America. And basically what they'll do is they'll just build a big dam in the middle of the water. And then as the water downstream flows away and subsides and gets shallower, they can just walk along and pick all the fish up. I like it. So I thought that was pretty interesting. It just involves you building a dam, you know? That sounds like work. Yeah, it does sound like work. I don't like work, but you said you had some beavers we might be able to employ? Yeah, well, I was thinking about uh, blast fishing also, so maybe I can take care of, you know, two things at once there. Um, Now, speaking of blast fishing, before we move on, you mentioned that it's not quite as effective as one's thought. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, uh, when you when you throw a stick of dynamite or even an M80 in, into a lake, okay, ninety percent of the fish that you kill just float to the bottom. Oh, so you're basically taking out all the fish and only getting ten percent of the fish. And they're not getting back. in my belly, right? Right. They're all dying, but you only get to eat ten percent of them. Yeah, I don't like the sound of that. I mean, it sounds like a lot of fun. It does. But not in the pond by my house. Maybe in the pond by somebody else's house. All right. All right. Um, now, trapping. I did have a little more. You have any more on yeah, that? Yeah, I got a, a okay. basket weir traps. Okay. Uh, it's basically two two wicker cones, you know, uh, so the fish can get in. 
and not get back out or have a hard time getting their way back right. out. Right. Um, kind of funnels them in, kind yeah. of like a squirrel climbing through a snare. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, those, one. yeah, you think about just like, think like a soda bottle. Mm-hmm. And you imagine the minnow that's just the right size for that opening. He goes in, now it's kind of funnels them right out on a soda bottle, but you kind of make like a little collar or something on the inside where they're not going to be able to, without poking themselves. Mm-hmm. And then they end up just swimming around in a circle. Right. There you go. Now, f- a fishing weir. This is something I've never heard of before. Well, but apparently it's pretty. Uh, there's a show I think Mountain Men. Uh-huh. One of these shows I I don't know had some some guy who was an eel fisherman, mm-hmm. and he had an eel weir. Okay, and it, it's the same principle of basically the majority of the water coming through the creek, you funnel it so that it shoots it into one trough, and the way he had it worked is. It basically pushes the eels so that they end up where they're just laying on a you know on the board because they get mm-hmm. funneled into one spot and then it just keeps dropping them through channels. Uh-huh. Um, so imagine I make like a bathtub, right? So it funnels them so they all slide over a waterfall kind of into a bathtub. Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna make a second stage so it fills up and then they go through the next tube, which. With eels, he had it so they were going through little pipe tubes. Mm-hmm. And then it would go over like a cage. Mm-hmm. And so water falls right through, but the big eel hits the cage, and then they're stuck. Right. So I'd imagine you're doing the same type of thing. Yeah, That's what weir, a weir is. Yeah, weir fishing is basically uh, what they want to do here is is uh, a V-shape, right? Right. But it would be fencing, so the water could flow through. But, but it the fish, funnels. Yeah, the fish could only See, go one now direction. See, his... It was smooth board, so it's more mm-hmm. natural, and you're not beating up the fish, right. I guess is the idea. But it's also pretty involved. Laying in some chicken wire sounds pretty easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, if you just ran chicken wire across the creek, and then you still want to funnel them, because otherwise right. they're going to eventually be place. strong enough to swim back, and mm-hmm. whatever, it's not going to work out. Right. But if you can channel them in, even with chicken wire... You could really score some big fish. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah, and I think uh, I think fish traps and fish fish nets are are the way to go if you're um, really yeah. counting on the fish to survive. Yeah, if you're counting on that right. as your if, food if source, if you're a sportsman, right. not not the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you're as like far I want dinner, being ethical, and I'm going to die, right. that this is the way to go. Exactly. Um, spear fishing. You want to look for shallow water. Or are we still more traps? No, no, spearfishing. Spearfishing. Now, a lot of the guys, it depends on the fish you're going after. Mm-hmm. So, one, good luck trying to spear a bass or something like that. You're going to have a time. Like a big bass sitting there in shallow water, yeah, you probably pull it off. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, these are your things like carp and catfish, and things you can see. Mm-hmm. Good luck finding a catfish just sitting around that's not buried in the mud or whatever. Right. But you know, if you get in there stomping around and can chase them to one end of the pond and and work yeah. it out. Now, if you're just uh, spear fishing in shallow water, uh, you're gonna want something with a uh, multiple like a spikes fork. on it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the trident was famous for that's oh, where it, it came out, from. That's what that's they used. That's why to... Neptune had that. 
I thought it, the Navy SEALs just used it to poke each other in the butt. No. That's a no, different thing? No. Well, I mean, it's the same thing, but that's not what it's originally used oh, for. Oh, okay. Because they were like, oh, this yeah. is... All right. Now, I know a lot of you guys probably have uh, done bow fishing before. Uh, me, personally, I'm not talented enough with a bow to actually be capable of doing I that. Am I very, I'm pretty good with a bow, but I got to say I've never done bow fishing, and it fascinates me. Mm-hmm. I'm really uh, interested in, in getting into that. Um, I've seen guys do it with a recurve, which I, I try and stick to recurve. It just makes me feel better as a man. Mm-hmm. With a recurve bow, uh-huh. I, I can, you know, a compound bow. It's easier, if anything, mm-hmm. and whatever. And I've played with them, and I ran archery ranges in the Boy Scouts and different things. But there's just something about a nice recurve bow that makes you feel like, yeah, you know, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm like a, a pioneer or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, but you still, if you're not doing a 50 pound, you're not taking deer, you know, or 60 mm-hmm. or whatever pound uh, recurve. So you got to think about that. You probably get away with a little less on the, uh... but basically the way that works, your arrows typically, you know, again, in shallow water, you could use a regular bow, probably use regular arrows Mm -hmm. and you probably score a fish and it'll work out. But the cool thing, the way they set up bow fishing is 90% of them are compound bows. They'll rig up with a spool of wire that connects to your arrow mm-hmm. and you end up with a nice uh, um, blade on the end of it. And like, it's almost like a fish hook on the end of your uh, arrows. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just split out wide where it's got forks that grab on the way back. So he's not right. wiggling Barbs. out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just drop it and drag him back in. It's awesome. I see guys doing it and it looks like the most fun you could have. I don't know. It's something I would definitely like to look into. And I think if I had a prepper compound with a creek or something, that's something I'd want to have. But again, being able to set up these traps that we were talking about really are your solution for long-term survival. Right. And what's cool is you can cut off pretty much anybody else downstream after you. Mm -hmm. They're going to be like, all the fish dried up. I don't get it. And if you have no experience spearfishing, <clears throat> and this is your your chance to catch dinner. You're probably gonna go hungry. It's not something you can learn in 15 minutes. You can if you're dealing with eight inches of water. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, and like Kevin said, the key is a fork. You know the multiple prongs. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever. But yeah, that's not something you just walk into typically. Yeah. You know, now there's pretty a... much if you can't catch a uh, squirrel with a spear. It's kind of like the same thing, trying to catch a fish. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, there's modern spear guns now. They're pretty... Uh, That's a different story. Pretty capable. Now, most of the time with uh, spear guns, you're going to be swimming underwater, either with a snorkel, with a tank, or just free diving. And, uh, you know, if you can if you can hold your breath for four, four, three or four minutes, you might be able to pull this off. You might be able to go down with a net. I had a friend... Uh, from Jamaica that he spent his childhood uh, right. doing this free, you know, free diving. And he said they would build their own harpoon guns out nice. of uh, bungee cords. And um, he's, he said he did pretty good on it. Did pretty good at it. The outlets running off uh, off the island out to the ocean is the where, where he would go for it. You know, I had a friend 
who was in the Navy, was stationed in Bermuda. Mm-hmm. And Bermuda, the island, is surrounded by a giant reef. Mm-hmm. And I guess, again, this is what he's told me. I don't know. I haven't been there. I haven't read enough books. I don't really know. But the reef completely surrounds the island, and so there's no sharks in the water uh-huh. around the island because they're all outside the reef because they were all mm-hmm. killed by people, whatever. So what happens is the uh, tide, when the tide comes out, the sharks and everything just sit and wait for these holes for all uh-huh. the fish coming out. To run out through And the they sit and they chomp on everything. But same thing happens when the tide's coming in. A lot of fish and stuff come through these openings. And what he told me is they would go out and the lobsters would sit at these openings. Mm-hmm. And you could watch, you know, and they would be sitting there with their antennas looking up, waiting for the stuff to come through and grab them. And they'd just come in and scoop them all up. Mm-hmm. Now, he also had some kind of insight about you watch for... He goes, whenever you approach a lobster, usually their antennas will be pointing at you. And he goes, whenever you see the lobster that they only have one pointing at you and one is pointed another direction, mm. that means there's another predator in another direction that's Maybe as scary or more open. scary. He said his experience has been he'll go to grab the lobster and an eel goes to grab his hand has been how that plays out with the Mixed antenna, you want to watch for that. That's Mm -hmm. a secret of the pros right there. All right. Just thought I'd throw that out. Yeah, eels are natural predators of lobsters. And I only know that because I used to uh, have a roommate that had a saltwater fish tank that he had eels in. And lobsters? Well, I went out <laughs> I went out shopping one day, and they had the lobsters right there in the tank. They were on sale. <laughs> so I brought them home and threw them in there, and that eel just kept going, going taking chunks out of this lobster. Oh, it's bad. But, Good. you know, I ended up being short on pizza money one night, and, you know, he ended up he ended up getting cut to the lobster. Okay. Not the eel. Not the eel. Yeah, I'm very anti-eating eel, just because it's, I don't like the way it tastes. <sighs> you know, it did, and, and I'm going to lose man points on this, mm-hmm. but we go fishing, I, I think I mentioned this in somewhere way back in, like, episode one or something. We go fishing, and, and the kids always manage to drag up eels out of the, the Hudson River here. Uh-huh. And I go to unhook it, and that thing just wraps all around your arm and curls mm-hmm. up around you. And it's just the grossest thing. They're nasty. And for the most part, I just cut the line, and <laughs> you didn't need that hook anyway. Yeah. I don't care. But he's gone. Well, yeah, no, I don't. I don't. They're, they're just gross. I mean, if you go to England, I'm sure like 90, they have like eel pies, and they do the whole thing. That's just not me. Ah, yeah. That's not me. Nope. I'm going to have to let that go. Now, uh, one thing we didn't talk about when it comes to spear fishing is is harpoons. Oh. Now, harpoons are basically a, a straight spear with barbs on it. Um, that's not so much used for fishing. They did get that whale that one time. Whales? Whales, seals, things like that, yes. But when it comes to uh, looking for a trout, uh, no. 
harpoons are not necessarily the way to go. Well, you got to be like some kind of master to freaking throw a big staff mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, I mean, yeah, it can hit a whale. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't think I'm hitting. Oh, there's, you know, th- there's a six inch uh, little bass in there. Yep, they did That's say they uh, they had found uh, cave paintings in France from about fifteen thousand years old of of pictures of them harpooning seals. Mm. So they've been doing that for a while. So clubbing seals, harpooning seals, either, either way. way, it's all right as long as they're babies. It's fine. <laughs> I have no problem with it. Uh, you know that humor used to be okay, and I I feel like in the last seven eight years we might have crossed a line where people are cringing at us right now that could be going oh that guy with the fog now let's uh are we gonna talk about fishing with poles is that where we're at or yeah let's uh angle angling we'll call it any kind of we're getting get into fishing with poles but um you know pink bobbers right that float on the water hook and hook line and sinker type of stuff here all right uh, drop lining. Uh, basically, that what that is is uh, uh, <clears throat> in deep water. You would use a long line with a bunch of hooks all the way up. You'd have a weight at the bottom and a floater or something attached to to uh, a boat or something on the on the shore. Okay. Uh, you basically bait all the hooks, dra- <clears throat> drag it out, and just drop it down to the bottom. Drop the weighted end down to the bottom. And wait and pull the, lo- the whole line back up. Now, this is if you don't have a fish finder that tells you that all the fish are at 27 feet. Mm-hmm. And you don't just drop it right down to the 27 feet. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, obviously when you pull it up, you can check where the fish are biting and where they aren't. So, um, you know, you can adjust your, your bait and your tackle accordingly. Um. Now trolling. Uh, we're not talking about the um, Russians trying to get your uh, credit card information online. We're talking about uh, trolling is basically when you got a boat moving slow and you have a line with bait on the end. Now it's also when you uh, when you have a uh, pull and a reel and you're slowly reeling it in. That's trolling. Okay. So that's that's pretty uh, pretty. Those are the basics. Standard way of fishing. Okay. Uh, as far as uh, as far as uh, bait and tackle and angling goes. Uh, now, do you want to talk about specific fishing poles? No. And well, specific. Uh, we'll we'll get into. It. We're gonna touch broad okay. strokes. Right. Um, what I did want to talk about is where do you find the fish. Now this is this is something people don't I to me I I guess I grew up it was common knowledge kind of thing. Um I mean I went from, you know, being 6 years old to here's the boat, here's where you go, you go do these things and whatever and you just kind of learn. So it it came pretty natural, you know, just cuz it was what I was around. But basically fish Bass, pickerel, all your pan fish, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they feed along the shorelines, near logs, near uh, weed beds. You have like, you know, rocks coming up in the middle of the lake or there's one spot with some buoys. You always kind of look for the little buoys that are marking rocks and that kind of stuff. Because 
that's where the fish are going to be hanging out. Um, in a stream, fish like to rest downstream of big rocks, uh-huh. and they feed in. Uh, they feed in the more swift water, where food is like being carried by the current. So you want to look in those areas. Um, I also hear people like in the ocean, same thing. They want to be by something. So when you have those giant oil rigs mm-hmm. filling the waters with pollution or whatever, little pieces of Marky Mark floating out in there or whatever's mm-hmm. happening. Um, I don't know. There was some kind of an explosion movie. I don't know. I, I didn't watch the movie. I thought it would upset me. Um, but uh, the fish are going to be there. Um, they're going to be by the structures. They like the the big stuff. Um, so that's that's generally the neighborhood. And believe it or not, you can actually create a habitat for fish near your property or near your uh, you know dock or whatever. You know, to, to kind of encourage the fish to come hang out there. Because basically, if it's a nice place for a little food to hang out, bigger fish are going to want to come over and eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, next, you want to think about when to fish. Um, as a general rule, you want to leave lines over not out overnight. They actually like to uh, um, kind of feed during like a full moon especially. I know I've had great luck going out on these charter fishing boats when you catch the full moon. I wouldn't mm-hmm. think that would make such a difference. But even being like right on the day is more of a deal than mm-hmm. than the than days the day around it. But after. the days before and after are good too. Mm-hmm. But that really makes a difference, kind of blows my mind. Um, you wouldn't think that it would be so, you know, specific like that. They, uh, You want to go right before it's going to rain. You don't really want to be fishing. Once the water starts getting murky and and mucky from a heavy rain, Mm -hmm. that's when, you know, like sprinkling, no problem. You're okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Right before sunrise is a great time. Um, Again, you know, whenever you want to go out and get out of the house is always a great time to go fishing. Mm -hmm. But these are, uh, you know, that kind of thing, the ideal. Um, Also, the time of day conditions, stuff like that. So in the spring... Fish are hungry and active, and the temperatures are still cool, so they tend to swim like closer to the surface. In the summer, warm weather makes them go deep. Um, temperatures are more mild during like the fall. Things are starting to cool down. Fish start preparing for winter, so they'll eat more and kind of bulk up. You kind of get lucky then. Um, like I said, as long as it's not raining heavily, you should do all right. But once it starts raining, don't bother. You know, it's, you know, full on. You're you're oh. up a creek. All right. Um, that's pretty much the basic rules. Now, when you were talking about a uh, fish liking something to uh, hide under, hide yes. by. Yes. I was... Uh, you also was... like to catch your hooks in there? Yeah. Well, no, I was always... I was uh, also looking at... Um, some some net fishing uh, <laughs> techniques. They okay. said out in uh, in uh, the Nile, they would uh, stitch together uh, palm fronds, like big, wide leaves. Okay. And they would sink a net, and then they would put this uh, mat that floated on top just above the net, and they'd let it sit for a couple hours, and then scoop the net up with the with the mat in it, and uh, it was always a guaranteed a big fish. Yep. Yeah. 
Well, I think that's the thing. That they like the shade. They like mm-hmm. the, oh, look at this thing floating. I'm going to hang out. Now, I saw an interesting one the other day. Uh, some It was a video on YouTube. A couple of kids on uh, in the Amazon. Mm-hmm. And they had this big piece of uh, pipe that they had found. This big old pipe. And they sunk it down in the middle of the water. And then they would just pack straw on either side, pull it up, and lean it over and take the straw out of one end and they'd dump everything out into a little pond they had on the side there where they'd just catch the fish and then take drag the pipe back out and just set it down in the bottom again. I was like, that's pretty And I think that's that idea. same thing. They, they, uh-huh. The critters are looking for shelter mm-hmm. and catching them in. I like it. No, there's a lot of creative. Wave. I, yeah. I actually, I feel like I come across them in like the Facebook feed and I, I share the little traps. I've seen some weird eel traps and different things that, you know, we've put on there. And, but then whenever I go looking for them that, you know, I don't see it. So yeah. that that's always how it works. Um, another thing, like there's different types of hooks. Right. Um, I mean, again, I, I don't want to get too deep into it. We're not expert fishermen, but, uh, like you have like a J hook, uh-huh. this is your more traditional then you also have uh, like a circle hook. Mm-hmm. And these are the ones that just kind of look like they curve back in a little bit. All right. That's actually like they usually start out, they call that a cir- the circle hook. That one they recommend for like children, people just starting, don't know how to fish. Because mm-hmm. you don't really have to set the hook as much with a, a circle hook. Uh-huh. The fish kind of just, once they get on it, they're... They're, they're kind of there, huh? whereas the J hook, you really you do. And believe it or not, people who are fishing a lot actually like you sharpen that hook. You mm-hmm. want it to be, you know, like a razor point because right. you want as soon as you set the hook to really kind of dig in. Mm-hmm. Now, again, those are are the basics. So, like you cast out your line, you want to have so there's not too much slack. Now, I hate to do this, like. I, I used to tell my kids, oh, give it a little more slack because they were always fidgeting and mm. always moving and doing stuff. Yeah. And it was just... And it's just jerking it's things It's just around. jerking things, like too much, to the mm. extreme. Um, but technically, you want to have it so that there really isn't slack in the line. It goes out as far as it goes. You don't want to be pulling it in, mm-hmm. but you want it to be like taut enough where you're going to feel when a fish strikes. Uh-huh. Now, I hate to say it, it's it's time. You know, you just have to spend time fishing to know the difference between a fish nibbling on the line mm-hmm. and a fish striking the line. Um, the, you know, because you'll get the little bumps, like the little bit. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, did he bite? Didn't he? You know, I don't know. Do I set the hook? Because if you go and set the hook and that's and just basically it. when you jerk it. And the fish is going to go, oh, something's wrong. You know, that that's not right. And they're going to take off. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to kind of just like learn that. And that's kind of over time. It's just like all the prepper skills we talk about mm-hmm. where you got to go out and do it. Right. You got to go out and try it sometime. You know, go fishing. Spend some time with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we used to be cool with the uh, no fishing license thing in New York for tidal waters and Stuff like that, but they got us there too, so. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, the idea for a fishing episode came from uh, uh, Matthias out in Sweden. 
No. And now he ought to be doing the podcast because yeah. Sweden is the capital, the angular capital of the world. And I think on his, his little profile picture, wasn't he all like fishermaned up? And <laughs> I'm not no? sure. I'm not sure. Okay. But <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I thought I saw that. I'm like, wait, this guy's like, you know, Bassmaster and whatever. And now when it, to us. when it comes to angling, you know, that's that's something that most of us have done. Most of us have practiced. It's a basic, it's a, a reliable way to catch fish. Yes. Um, but, you know, what I wanted to talk about really was the, the fish traps and the nets that we got into earlier. Right. In the sense that you can catch large quantities of fish. Right. And and you can actually and feed you know, your babies. survive off of it. Right. right. Now The other's just a good time. Yeah, it's against the law in most places to... To, to go the way we were talking. Yeah. But, you know, when it comes to uh, to being lost out in the wilderness or something like that now then you know other ideas are in the great state of new york you can dig a pond which at that point you have to notify the local government right then you stock the pond with fish which you have to buy get permission from your local government right in new york Uh we stock it with our fish then i can fish in my pond Without a fishing license, mm-hmm. if I've met those two criteria, but if you come over, you gotta fishing have a fishing license. license. Nope. Mm-hmm. You know, man, you buy the fish, but you have to pay the government to take it back out. Let me take that thing back out. Let me grow it, feed it, nurture it. Now, it's it, times is hard. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I was gonna mention, uh, the size of the hook that you buy. They actually come in different sizes, it turns out. You want to get a hook that's appropriate for the size of fish that you plan to catch. Um, it really does make a difference. The fish will back away if they're like, yeah, yeah it's too much. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's just got to kind of be appropriate with the bait. You're not going to, they're not going to get their mouth around it. Mm-hmm. They're going to end up taking a piece out of the bait. Um, all this stuff matters. You got to kind of just, you know, do mm-hmm. a little bit of research and you'll get in there. But hopefully we gave you some good ideas to put some uh, healthy, renewable protein mm-hmm. in your diet. And that's pretty awesome. Now, if uh, any of you guys are um, experienced, uh, hold on here. Um, if any of you guys at home are experienced like noodlers, oh, I would love to see some pictures of that. Now, you might want to send those to the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. You can post that on post our Facebook page. Post them in page. there. I'll put it on the page. Or if uh, you want to just send Kevin an email with your YouTube link, he'd be happy to uh, forward happy to that along that and yep. check that out. Share it with uh, the people out there. So hopefully we didn't bore you too much with the fish episode. Mm-hmm. I feel like some new insights were uh, brought out. Yeah, I actually learned a lot of stuff about uh, doing the research. About this stuff, doing the research. Now I've done a lot of uh, fishing off poles and in streams yeah. and ponds and rivers, but uh, a little bit of ocean fishing. But really, a lot of this stuff was uh, new information for I, me. So I mean, initially, I just wanted to tell fun fishing stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can tell you, I was in Ireland one time, and one of my buddies were out in a uh, small boat. It was like a, uh, like what you think of as a rowboat. 
and it had a little motor or something. And sure enough, he freaking pulls in this like eh, maybe four pound shark or sorry, four foot shark. Mm-hmm. And we got this thing snapping at the bucket and whatever. And we're all, I think we eventually all jumped over the side, got <laughs> out of the boat. We're like, fuck that. I, I guess he got somebody's leg a little bit, a little scratch, you know. Mm-hmm. And we're like, that's it. We're out. Mm-hmm. And we ended up like flipping the boat over. So I, I don't know. We're a bunch of idiots. Yeah. So, no, I wouldn't want to be in the water and flip the boat over with the shark. I will shark. tell you my greatest fl- fishing story. Well, it was like, I don't know. It wasn't Jaws. All right. I, I think he was just determined to get out of there, but he was pretty pissed off. <laughs> is what I'm telling you. Um, we, uh, I think, I think the, the best fishing story, I, uh, I was about eight years old and I have a brother, turns out he's kind of a pain in my ass mm-hmm. and he's too cool and wants to go out with his friends. So they take the boat and they go out fishing. Mm-hmm. So I'm left on the dock with my fishing pole and uh-huh. nowhere to go. And I'm like, God, oh, dick, right? So using crawfish, whatever, I'm happy. I sure enough, I catch like a three pound bass, which is a good sized bass in, mm-hmm. you know, where we fish and, uh, I'm reeling him in and I'm all happy and I get him, and I'm, he's just coming out of the water and like a three foot long Northern Pike comes up and bites the bass <laughs> and he's, he's climbing up. He's, he's like right up to teeth or like to the head. And I don't know what the hell the Northern Pike is. I never caught one. Didn't know anything about it. And I'm shaking that thing off and trying to get him. And he did not want it. I ended up dragging them both in. Was able to pull the bass out. Had big teeth claw marks down the side. And we ended up eating both fish. And I was king of the freaking world. Uh-huh. And your, your That's cool my one brother. Story. What did he bring home? I, nothing. Nothing. Huh? Nothing. Probably got a girl or something. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it's a little bit better. It probably fish. worked out better. I just got some fish. I don't know, but that—that's my one story. And now I'm, you know, thirty years later, I'm hanging on to glory. So uh-huh. we've all got one. Yeah. Yep. Now, um, before we wrap up the show, I was curious if you had seen the uh, the Nazi pug. I have not seen the Nazi pug. Well, you can check this video out. All right. Um, basically, this guy in Scotland, his wife got this cute little pug that she thought, you know, she thought was the greatest thing ever, and so and because he, he Nazi. just, I guess he just hated his girlfriend or was just an asshole in general. He uh, he spent two years teaching the uh, teaching the pug to give the the Nazi salute whenever he asked it if it wanted to gas the Jews. <laughs> so. That's wrong. So, Me-Chan is the name of the... You're going to go to hell just for repeating that. Yeah, Me-Chan is the the guy, is the name of the guy, and he's now in prison. Because apparently in Scotland, that's hate speech. That is hate speech. And he went to jail. So, you know, just a heads up, if you're in Scotland listening, don't teach your pug how to give the Nazi salute. And I have to point out, if you're in Scotland listening, we found that completely offensive. Yes, it we really hurt my heart. It... <laughs> Kevin is crying with sadness. There are little mm-hmm. tears. He's misting up. 
That's just wrong. That <laughs> it's was... kind of right. It's kind of wrong. Dude, like, that I mean, was wrong with people. You know, it's, it's one thing if it takes you 15 minutes to teach your dog some su- stupid trick, but to spend two years that's a trying to teach it to give a Nazi salute, that's a bit much, man. That's a bit too much investment uh, in that Did you hear joke. there was a, uh, a D.C. Uh, councilman? Mm-hmm. And uh, they had him on the radio, and he's—I guess he does some kind of little, like, podcast on the go that he just talks into his phone and records it, and right. whatever. So he's driving to work or whatever in one of these nor'easters we've been having, mm-hmm. and he's going, and he's like, "Well, you know, this climate change—it's the Jews." <laughs> and I'm like, "What?" Yeah, and he's like, "Yeah." Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. And then he starts talking about the Rothschilds. And uh-huh. he's like, oh, yeah. They they started creating weather control. And now the Jews are doing it. And mm-hmm. the Jews are doing this to us. And I'm like, they made it snow in D.C.? Yeah. yeah, that was the Jews, obviously. That was the Jews. Uh, I have a couple of uh, Jewish friends. They told me they all get together and, and plan they have out the meetings. The and, weather. Yeah, plot the weather. Plot the weather in yeah. D.C. Now, that is entirely untrue. And, uh, you know, I don't think he's, he got any repercussions of that. He, he made an apology, an official apology. But uh, we'll see when election time comes around, how, if he lasts they won't or care. not. They, nobody no. even... They'll forget by then. Oh, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Good yeah. stuff. Th- that's why they don't let me run for city council. Because you don't... Cause you're I'm not anti-Semitic enough? <laughs> well, there's that. I, I thought it was all the stupid things we've said on this podcast oh, that yeah, I was man. referring to. But yeah, we can never run for public office. You can it, cut all sorts of much. stuff out of this show. Um, so if you want to uh, get a hold of us, you can uh, email us at um, preppingbadass at gmail.com. Or if you know about some angry America-hating dogs or uh-huh. whatever. Right, anything you Kevin want. Shoot a video. Noodling. Noodling. Angling, any kind of fishing you've been doing. And however you interpret noodling, whatever. Kevin's yeah. No, there's certain types of noodling I'm not interested in, in seeing videos of. Please. Send Kevin a video. That's what I'm saying. Um, Check us out on uh, on Facebook. Facebook. We'll put a link in the show notes. No, but it's basically prepping it's badass, right? Facebook.com slant prepping badass. Mm-hmm. Or... Maybe you love us. Maybe you really appreciated this episode. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, you know what? I'm going to go buy a freaking can of Nightcrawlers right now and go hit the crick. Mm -hmm. Well, if that's you and you're like, those guys are great. You might want to head over to patreon.com slant prepping badass and show us a little love. Sounds good to me. All right. And if you found Kevin's... uh, Chew-hating dog story offensive. You want to shoot him an email at preppingbadass at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, stay safe, and we'll talk to you guys next week.